After finishing school in Thailand, I went to Germany to study medicine. I worked in medical microbiology and infectious diseases all my life, actually. This is weird. The situation, there's something wrong about the whole business, the whole story. What is COVID-19? That a PCR test cannot be used to diagnose anything. Uh, a positive PCR does not mean that you are infected. Uh, 90% were deaths due to other causes, like heart attack or stroke or whatever. It's just that they happen to test positive for this damn virus. That this virus is no more deadly than a seasonal flu. And for people under 70, it is even less deadly than the seasonal flu. If you are under 70, your chances of dying with or because of this virus are less than 0.1%. Hi, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. And uh, I am extremely privileged to be joined by Professor Sukharit Bhakti uh, from, uh, from Germany, possibly the most influential uh, specialist during this pandemic, at least to me. Uh, thank you for, for joining me, Prof. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Let me Good morning. Yes, let me, let me just quickly read your your very impressive uh, resume so um basically you are a thai german specialist in microbiology um having studied at bonn university now excuse my my pronunciation gibben is that correct have i pronounced it correctly gibben well, giesen giesen okay yeah. um and then mainz and copenhagen um and also at the max planck institute of immunobiology and epigenetics in Friedberg. Have I got that correct? Um, and then you're also a professor um, emeritus of the Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz. Um, and you were the head of the Institute of Medical Microbiology and Hygiene um, there. Is that also correct? Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> Which basically means you know what you're talking about. Well, I've taught this for 30 years, actually, so I know a little bit about it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that's that's good enough, because if if we are to believe um, the media, Prof, we are Don't in. Do that. Yes, yes. But if we are, we are we are experiencing a zombie apocalypse of uh, epic proportions, which, of course, the data yeah. doesn't support. Well, I mean, if you believe them, um, after all of this, it's your own fault, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> and then you get what you deserve. <laughs> um, look, before we go into the actual conversation, Prof, um, I'd like to know a little bit about your background. You're from Thailand and then you moved to Germany. Well, yes, I was born in the USA, actually. Oh. John Hopkins. <laughs> My mother was the first Thai woman who studied medicine abroad. So she was a doctor. And uh, then my parents were diplomats, so I yes. moved around a lot. In Egypt, Switzerland, Thailand, and then I came to Germany. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic stuff. And um, all right, so where do we even start? Okay, so uh, besides the fact that we're all um, following pretty much the same script, I mean, I still am experiencing a lockdown when I when I traveled between Cape Town and Johannesburg a few a few days ago. I had to fill in strange government forms, which I've never done before. Um, and I, from what I can tell, is uh, I've I cannot distinguish between flu and COVID. I know that there are different viruses, and I know that you're going to tell me all about that. But what is COVID nineteen, Prof? COVID-19 is the illness caused by a coronavirus termed SARS-CoV-2. Now, this is so complicated that no one really can understand it, and it's been done on purpose so that no one really uh, understands what's going on or understood what was going on. That's why we stood up in March and said, listen, people, why don't you sit down and think a little bit about this and um, uh, go back to realizing that this coronavirus 
is not the new virus that people are telling you it is. It is just the offspring of the parents' viruses that have been around since the beginning of mankind. So mm. coronaviruses are a family of viruses, just like man is a species. And if a child is born, the child is a new human, but it's still a human being, mm. all right? Um, so to say that this is a new agent that is going to eradicate this world if we don't get, uh, uh, get together and fight against it mm. um, is one of the... Was, it was alarming to hear the politicians say this. We're going to war against a virus that has been amongst us since the beginning. If you ask for trouble, you're going to get trouble because the dear Lord, I'm a Buddhist, you believe in God, so I say, your dear Lord did not give you this virus to coexist with you for millions and millions of years so that you politicians and you stupid medics and scientists mm. are going to try to eliminate it because you can't. That's not the way evolution works. Now, like the flu virus, this virus enters into your airway systems, your respiratory tract via, of course, uh, droplets in the air, and then infects your cells in the lungs and in your bronchi. And then you may get a little bit ill. You may have fever. You have a cough. You're short of breath. But in the end, your immune system knows how to deal with this because the immune system also co-evolves with the viruses that exist with us. Mm. And so your lymphocytes recognize this virus as having been here, the parents were here, and they can deal with the new virus, and so they will deal with it, and then you're going to get up and go to work again if you still have work. Now, nowadays, of course, most people are out of work because they're trying to do things that are, at, are utterly stupid. All right, so that's that. It's different from other viruses that really kill you. Like, you know, if you get rabies, mm. you're going to die. There's no doubt about it. A hundred people get rabies, a hundred people die. Uh, 10,000 people uh, contact this virus, and if they are under 70, virtually no one is going to die, maybe one or two. Mm. So don't go around worrying about it. Don't go around trying to find a vaccine to fight it, because you're not going to find a vaccine. It's all going to fail. Uh, prof, so what is the difference then between SARS-CoV-2 and the original SARS of, what, 10, 15 years ago? Well, they're, they're relatives. It's All right, I'm a Thai, all right? Mm. And you are South, South African? African South, South African. African. So, so um, you know, my grandchildren are Thais, and they will look similar to, to, to me. Just like the SARS-CoV-2 is the grand-grand-grandchild of, of the SARS virus, whereas the other coronaviruses are grand-grand-grandchildren of South Africans. Two, two lines. Right. That, that's all I have to say. And how is, it, how is it different to the flu virus? Well, it's a completely different family. So the flu virus uh, is actually um, now... Uh, what would I say? Flu rises, maybe, sort of like the British. <laughs> <laughs> the British are completely different, all right? They're not like, not like South Africans. They are British, and they were always uh, a little bit more powerful than us or you. Um, that's why, by the way, the British are now taking the lead to start saying, uh, "Come on, world, and uh, stop being so foolish." I don't know whether you read the last. Uh, um, uh, essays in the British Medical Journal. Yes. Uh, thank God, thank the Lord. You see, that's a difference. The British are different. And mm. now they're taking the lead. Uh, so the flu uh, has always been a bit stronger than the coronavirus. But, I mean, look, I mean, a lot of people have been telling me over the last few months that I, I mustn't mock. Um, I'm making fun of those who have died. Um, this is not this is not a joke, um, Prof. Um, 
what what is the mortality difference like between flu and COVID? And I have to use that comparison because flu almost seems to have been entirely eradicated. Oh no, the flu has never been eradicated. <laughs> the flu has been among us, just as the coronaviruses are among yeah. us, and the flu comes back every year, just as the coronaviruses come back every year. It's just that you never noticed the coronaviruses because there was no damn test to find them. You mm. know, if you have a cold and go around sneezing, no one is going to test you for that cold virus. Yes, the common cold virus is so is is even more harmless than the coronaviruses. But the coronaviruses themselves are relatively harmless compared to the flu. Mm. So because no one was interested in them and the test cost much too much money to perform, you know, this damn PCR test, mm. which has caused the whole pandemic, uh, it's been a lab pandemic. So uh, the trouble was that um, once this test came into being uh, last January, uh, Never having, you know, been, uh, been okayed as a diagnostic test, it never has. This PCR cannot tell you or me whether someone is really infected, whether someone is dying because of this infection. Mm. It's just saying that bits and pieces of this virus genome can be found, which is a sort of take it or leave it thing. So if the PCR test is positive, you have to find out how positive is it. I like to compare this to the alcohol, you know, mm. breath test. You go in and blow into this tube and uh, you've drunk too much vodka. So your uh, alcohol breath test goes up to 0.6 per mil. This is the, you know, in Germany, you lose your license because you're drunk. You look drunk, you are drunk. But... If it goes up to 0.006, you're not drunk, so you can keep on driving, rightly enough. But this PCR test will also tell you whether you have 0.6 per mil or 0.006 per mil. However, you see, and this is the thing that is criminal, mm. even if you have 0.006 in your blood or your breath, the politicians and the health officials say you are drunk. Yeah. So go into quarantine. And this is something so scandalous that it is now coming to light. And now the lawyers around the world are getting up to say mm. uh, these criminals have to go ha be, be, be long behind bars, barred away. Those who have been propagating and telling us to go into quarantine need to be taken to court and they are going to be taken to court mm. all right etc 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 right reinar uh Fulmich, i believe is a german lawyer who's who's uh yeah. who's he was actually on my show two weeks ago and i know that he's fighting this um and and yeah. um all all power to him um prof what is a pcr test now I, i've got a very rudimentary understanding but it seems it seems to me that people are using this now as a gold standard Yes, but you see, it's not gold. It's, uh, what is it? It's nothing. This PCR test is, is, is not even copper. It's not nickel. It's just trash. And it's trash because it's never been standardized. Now, look, um, uh, you've got, uh, now, you're in South Africa. I don't know your world. In, in, in Germany, okay, you have the euro. A euro is a hundred cents. Hmm. Uh, you put that euro in this beautiful PCR box, a black box. Press a button. The euro is doubled. You see, this is this is the absolutely brilliant invention of Kai Mullis, who was able to increase the gene fragment that he wanted to increase. Uh, and so every minute that the button is pressed, that euro doubles. Okay, so for one year, it's, it's, it's like a fairy tale. That's why he got the Nobel Prize for this, by the way. Okay, so you press that button for 10 minutes. How much do you have in the box after 10 minutes? You start with one euro. I tell you, you get have a million euros. Okay, it's a million. And um, then the, 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 the machine says, bingo, there's a million euros here. So you had a one euro 
when you started, and one euro is, uh, you know, the dose of virus that you need to, to be infected and to, to infect other people. So you're ill, and this gives you a, a fair, you know, uh, chance of, of having that virus as the cause of the disease, okay? Mm. So you take a throat swab, you put it in the black box, you press for 10 minutes, you have a, a million euros, bingo, you probably have this COVID-19. However, if you only have a fragment of that virus or just too few viruses to cause the disease in your throat, you have one cent, you press it for 10 minutes, then the box says, you got 10,000 euros, that was not enough, okay? So the thing is now, the trick is not to press that button for another seven minutes, because if you keep on pressing for another seven minutes, bingo, those 10,000 euros will turn into a million. Mm. What the PCR tests are doing nowadays, the button is pressed so long that even if you have only bits and pieces of this damn virus, or even bits and pieces of another virus that looks similar to this virus, you test positive. Right. You test positive without being infected, without being a danger to anyone, and you're sent to quarantine. This is criminal. Do you understand? You yes. can't keep pressing that button. So, let me just. Get this right. What you're, what you're saying, Prof, is that a PCR test doesn't tell you whether or not you are infected. It just, it just looks for information. It looks for information, and it is also able to tell you how much of that information is there. However, the second piece of information is never delivered to people who are being tested. It's never being delivered to uh, the doctors who are treating the patients. The lab just passes back the information, yes, the test is positive. And this is one of the things that Furnish is, is, is going to court against, okay? Mm. Because this has been driving the pandemic all over the world. You see, these, this mass testing that is being done everywhere, uh, the Austrians are going to start ma really mass testing, I think. Um, uh, uh, Slovenians, uh, well, I don't know which country, everyone running around in the road is being tested and they're keeping this button down not for 17 minutes but for 20 minutes so that even you know my god and because this test is so sensitive it, it picks up pieces of viruses of flu viruses of other coronaviruses that are buzzing around all over the place of the viruses the coronaviruses that your cat and dog may have okay and you pet your cat and dog and then put your finger in your nose and you happen to, you know, do the mm. PCR, then you're going to test positive. So it's too, it's too sensitive. It's much too sensitive. Mm. And that's why Mullis, the inventor of the P PCR, said, don't use this test for diagnostics. Always use your, you know, your medical knowledge, look at the patient, look at someone to find out whether he's ill. Don't ask a scrap of paper or even my PCR machine whether someone is ill or not, because it's not, it's not going to be able to tell you this. And what does the whole world do and the politicians do? They go around testing healthy people and saying, you are a, a danger to everyone. But I'm confused, Prof. Sorry, I'm confused. Why is it then that what you're saying seems to be in the minority and the whole world is using PCR tests? Well, this is what we never understood. This is why we, we got up, when was this? Oh my God, in March. And told people to realize things that they didn't realize. And... Um, we weren't heard. In fact, you know, John Ioannidis yes. at Stanford um, was saying the same thing at the same time. Now, the madness went on and on and on. And um, there must be a huge agenda behind this because otherwise it would not be able to continue at this breakneck pace leading to what we all know uh, is the ultimate goal of this, which is the vaccination. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, we didn't believe that all of this was going to the vaccination goal in March, uh, in May, when we wrote the book. Because in May, when we wrote the book, 
for the Germans in Germany, um, we thought that it was still ignorance. It was still, you know, not being informed. And that's why we wrote the book mm. and explained this to everyone. And the book, you know, became a bestseller overnight. And it's been, you know, the bestseller number one in Germany. It was on the bestseller number one. It was bestseller number one for, I think, 15 weeks running. Uh, now it's dropped off to uh, rank five, which is still pretty good. I'm going to so, read soon. Um, no, no, this was the German book. Oh, right. So then, so then, in June, our dear chancellor, a woman named Merkel, whom mm. you may or may not know, um, said on the 3rd of June, one day after our book, you know, came out, this pandemic will end when we have a vaccine. And, you know, our hair stood up on end because we had deliberately not put the chapter on vaccines into our book because we didn't believe that the vaccine could be coming. Mm. And we didn't want to go off into, you know, sort of uh, a territory that was absolutely out of this world because it couldn't be true. So then we said, my God, is the agenda leading to the vaccine? Is the road leading there after all? We better do something about it. So we sat down and translated our book into English and put the vaccine chapter into the English book and went to a, a lot of trouble writing the chapter, rewriting the chapter on immunity and vaccines for you, for the world. And it's out now. And we translated the, this vaccine chapter section back into German and put it on the homepage of our uh, publisher so that the Germans and the Swiss and Austrians could also mm. access it free of charge. Prof, if you don't mind taking a few steps back um, from this, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this point because obviously this vaccination is very serious um, in terms of the, the politics involved, but what is your understanding of the the origin of uh, of SARS-CoV-2? Uh, is is the Chinese story um, believable? I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't have any opinion on this because it's outside my my area of expertise. I don't know enough about the molecular biology of this virus. Mm. As you know, uh, two Nobel Prize winners says say that this virus does come from a lab in Wuhan. Mm. One was uh, Luc Montagnier, who got the Nobel Prize for his work on, on HIV. And the second, uh, who needs to be taken very, very seriously, is Professor Honjo, uh, who is one of the most brilliant uh, scientists living, who got the Nobel Prize for work, really wonderful work he did. Mm. So, you know, uh, these are... Professor Honjo, I take extremely seriously. I consider him to be, well, one of the most brilliant scientists living. That's all I have to say. About okay, it. fair point. Um, all right, what is a pandemic, Prof? Because I, I was reading uh, a few months ago that in 2009, the WHO adjusted the definition behind closed doors. And, and of course, this got me a little bit worried. Yes, it got us very, very worried. That was the swine flu mm. uh, zaga or narrative, as uh, some of you may recall, uh, uh, which also caused our hair to stand on end. And at that time, we also, I also got up with uh, Dr. Vodak to say, uh, don't go for this vaccination, because it became clear that after just, you know, having been on the scene for less than eight weeks, this new swine flu virus uh, caused the WHO to change the definition of a pandemic. A pandemic up to that time was the spread of a new dangerous agent worldwide. Dangerous agent worldwide, a new agent. Now, this swine flu, of course, was as new an agent as the coronavirus is new, because the flu also mutates all the time. You have new viruses coming up every year, you know. So the very 
possibility of 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 labeling a virus as a new virus just because its hands were changing a little bit was alarming. But then to say a pandemic can take a mild or serious course was really what 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 really you know caused to say no. How can you do this? Does this mean that if a new common cold virus goes around the globe, you can call this a pandemic and tell the world to stand up and fight against it. Now, thank God, uh, the swine flu turned out to be a fake, as you know. Mm. Uh, uh, and it does collapse. The whole story collapsed. The world did buy this uh, the swine flu vaccine. Germany bought 60 million doses, of which over 15 million doses had to be burned, you know, My after word. two years. Yeah, just removed. Well, come on. Uh, England did the same. France did the same. Uh, the British bought 90 million with the taxpayers' money, of course, with the taxpayers' yeah, money. Uh, France, 90 million. And uh, so the Germans were a little bit less stupid than the English. Can you imagine? <laughs> More stupid than the Germans. This is incredible. Uh, this time, I believe that the Germans have already outdone the British because Merkel has gone and already reserved 54 million doses of the British-born vaccine of AstraZeneca. Yes. Um, she signed 54 million doses for the corona vaccine that AstraZeneca is trying to... <laughs> Somebody's making money from this. What? Somebody's making Someone money from this. Money. Now, listen, if you don't understand what's going on now, after this vaccine hype and hoax has been driven to the you know edge of sanity, mm. it's insane. I tell you, what is going on is absolutely insane. It's unethical. It's unmoral. And the people behind this need to be taken to court. Because what yes. is now being done is uh, what was started with the swine flu, and what is ending now with the SARS-CoV-2, because the SARS-CoV-2 is the godsend uh, to say, we have the pandemic, a uh, pandemic is now defined as the global spread of a new disease. It's not even, it doesn't even have to be dangerous. The global spread of a new disease. Oh, my word. COVID yes, COVID-19 so was the name given to a new disease caused by the new virus SARS-CoV-2. So all of this is, is extremely unsettling because it's a fake. So what you're saying, Prof, is that under the original definition of pandemic prior to 2009, this COVID-19 would not have been a pandemic? Of course not. Wow. Point. Well, yes, but you see, if, if people go around believing everything that they're told without reading a little bit. And all of this, mind you, we have written in our book and we have, um, we have pointed to the similarity of the corona pandemic with the swine flu pandemic. And we have narrated what went on, you know, 11 years ago and tell, trying to tell you, come on, people, world citizens, you have to realize that what is going on now is the big reset. What is happening is that it's like the Pied Piper playing this tune on his pipe. And, you know, and all the it's not the rats that are following him now. Not the rats. It's you. And you are being masked. You're being forced to wear masks, forced to keep distance from each other so you don't join hands. This is all being done on purpose. And you are being led out of your homes, out of your beautiful countries. And you are being led into oblivion. So in the end, when you have left your homes and your country, the beautiful fields that you used to live in, the beautiful cities, someone else is going to move in. You know, 0.1% of this world is ruling 99.9% of the rest. You have to realize this and ask yourself, do you belong to the 0.1%, yes or no? If you don't, and we certainly don't, you have to open your eyes now and open your mind to the possibility that you're being led 
out, out of what you always had, what you deserve, what you've earned, and that you are going to, you're on the road to lose everything. I've... The first thing you've lost is your freedom. Yes. Prof, I've been saying exactly that, but people have been labeling me as a conspiracy theorist and a tinfoil, tinfoil hat nut job and all kinds of names. Yes, well, that's the, uh, the, that's very unfortunate, and uh, it uh, does not reflect on. Well, look, they are being led, all right. They are blindfolded. They are mm -hmm. blindfolded. They have the masks not only around their nose and mouth, but around their eyes. They stopped thinking because fear has struck their hearts, and fear yeah. is the one element that that prevents people from using what God has given you, your brain and your mind, and uh, if. If you cannot get rid of your fear, you are going to keep following those sounds and telling other people that they are what conspiracy makers. Now listen, I um, am privileged to talk to you in South Africa because it's been a South African, Nick Hudson, who yes. founded Panda. Panda. I hope that you South Africans know that a South African, Nick Hudson, is going to enter history because he set up an international organization, PANDA, Pandemic Data Analysis, okay? Uh, and he called for world eminent scientists to the Scientific Advisory Board, as you may know. Yes. One professor from Oxford, one professor from Harvard, one professor from Stanford, and the Nobel Prize winner, Michael Levitt. Also South African. And South African Michael Levitt. Be very, very proud of this, mm. you South Africans. And don't tell me that these are conspiracy uh, makers of, you know, mm. uh, fool, fools, because they are not. They are among the most eminent scientists in the world. And they do up the Great Barrington Declaration, which I hope you South yes. Africans have all read, because if you haven't, then you don't realize that 45,000 physicians around the world have signed this declaration that all say the same thing, namely that the, the, the measures that have been taken, the special measures against the coronaviruses, have to be lifted immediately. They are all nonsense. And we, oh, I also signed that, by the way. And I was also called to the Scientific Advisory Board a few weeks ago. So I've joined those eminent scientists and I feel a little bit very, very, I feel very humble because I didn't think that I belong, I belong to them. But thank you uh, for having me. And we have now written up an addendum Mm. to the Great Barrington Declaration that's going to be published soon, where we set out very clearly that the thing that one has to do, not only during the, and to deal with this pandemic, but to deal with every pandemic that threatens people at risk who are the elderly with pre-existing illnesses. Mm. Those are people that have to be protected. And we have listed a series of things that should be done, all right? But that has nothing to do with vaccination. It has nothing to do with quarantine, nothing to do with isolation. It has to do with public health, all right? Measures, sensible things that have to be done and can be done. So that is uh, the fact. Now, 700,000 people outside the medical field have also signed this great Barrington Declaration. Now, if you tell me that mm. all of these people are stupid, what is it? Um, what, what was the term? Conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Conspiracy theorists, uh, among whom you have several Nobel Prize winners. Don't you think you may be overestimating yourself? Yes. Don't you think so? I've, I've signed I mean, it as well, by the way. Um, Prof, I want to come back a little bit to, to, to some of the actual science. Um, which, which of course is, seems to be lost in all the in all the noise um, that's that's been dominating the media space for the last eight months, eight or nine months. 
Um, what I wanted to ask you is, how deadly is COVID-19? Well, um, the answer is clear as day. And uh, you can look up the answer. If you put in WHO Bulletin October and Ioannidis. You know, John Ioannidis is the world expert in uh, uh, epidemiology. One of the most highly... He's also, by the way, not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> uh, yes, dear audience. He is one of, he's also being put up for the Nobel Prize. So, you know, stop using these insulting words on such people as John Ioannidis. Because... I say again, if you do, ask yourself whether you might take a pause and start thinking and also stop overestimating yourself. You can call me a conspiracy theorist, but don't go around saying that John Ioannidis is a conspiracy because you are wrong. So John has written a paper that's also going to, you know, uh, stay in the literature forever because it's it and the who actually put it on the bulletin which means that this is this is the truth you know mm. and he says very clearly um the same thing that he and we <laughs> said eight months ago that the virus is no more deadly than the seasonal flu and moreover for people under 70 it is less deadly simply that and i tell you again if you are not 70 years old and even if you have pre-existing disease and you contract this virus, your chances of dying are less than 0.1%. And you read this in his paper, okay? That's it. Your chances of dying if you have the flu and you are under 70 are more than 0.05%. Mm. So, is that a clear answer, yes or no? Well, yes. I mean, I mean that's, it doesn't get clearer than that. Uh, but... So why do you worry about it? Oh, no, I don't. don't, Why do you? Well, um, but I had to now listen, Prof. I had to. I I just flew back to Cape Town day before yesterday and I had to wear a mask right inside the airport. I had to wear a mask for the entire two hour flight and anybody not wearing a mask would be reported. Now, explain to me. Uh, uh, masks and your understanding of masks and I have to also also specify because there obviously is a difference between surgical masks and cloth masks well there's one thing that is no different alright now listen very well this virus is not being spread by people who have no symptoms anyone who says that that the disease COVID-19, I'm not talking about the virus, I'm talking about the severe illness COVID-19, which is the pneumonia, is spread by non-symptomatic individuals, is lying. There is not a single case of severe COVID-19 pneumonia caused by someone who had given you this virus who himself was not coughing. Not true. And anyone who dares to say so to the conspiracy theorist you come and tell me, maybe you are a conspiracy theorist because mm. you're claiming something that is not existent. I think that is conspiracy, all right? Now, the second thing that is completely clear is that whatever mask you are wearing, the CO2 concentration behind that mask exceeds the limit of CO2 that a German is allowed to be exposed to at his working place. Now, listen very carefully. Wow. It exceeds manyfold, manyfold the concentration of CO2 that you are allowed to be exposed to as a German adult citizen. Therefore, forcing anyone to wear a mask without reason is a criminal act. Point. And I tell you that there are thousands of lawyers, including a whole staff in South Africa, in Panda, ready to leap and spring and bring these people to justice. And I hope and I pray they do, because in Germany, school children are being forced to wear masks in class. Children are collapsing in class. The, the teachers are told to open the windows to get more oxygen and get the CO2 out. How stupid, how stupid can people be? 
And the children are now coming down with colds and pneumonia because they're freezing to death in schools. You know, we have a little child. He's not going to school yet. He's going to kindergarten. But the very thought that this this idiocy, this this it's it's criminal, is going to happen to him, is causing us to 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 ask where can we flee to? Which country can we flee to? Certainly not South Africa, because you guys are as stupid as everyone else. Yes, and as are. criminal, and as criminal. How can you do this to your children? You know. So I have no more to say. I'm just saying we are waiting for the lawyers to 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 rise up, and they are doing it. But it is only a matter of time. Scientifically speaking, Prof, uh, do cloth and surgical masks have any um, positive impact with regards to the spread? Though I mean, there's so much, so what? much. Hey, spread of what? Spread of what? Listen, this virus is among us. How do you want to prevent its spread? It's already there. I mean, how stupid can one get? Right. It's, and there, there are no studies whatsoever to show that wearing masks has, and, and, mm. and there are studies now that have come out to show that um, wearing masks has no influence at all uh, on, on, on the so-called spread of this coronavirus because, by the way, you can't measure the spread because the PCR test is not telling you what is being spread. So, in fact, there is no virus to be spread. There is no, you know, among people where there's nothing. You can't prevent anything, all right? I don't know whether this can be... I'm a, a conspiracy theorist. Uh, the conspiracy is there is no virus to be prevented and so you can wear whatever you want. It's like you have no money left, and this is what's going to, what's going to happen to you. Mm. So you don't have to put your money on any bank that is giving you 100% or 200% because you're going to have nothing in the end anyway. So is this mask mandate that seems to be global, is it just a political power grab? That's absolutely my conviction, and I hope those responsible are going to be taken to court mm. and punished. And, you know, it I must tell you... Yeah, Prof, I must tell you, I I mean, I have been opposed to lockdowns. I've been opposed to masks and social distancing uh, since it arrived in South Africa in March. Um, Good and, for you. Um, and I've, I've, lost, I've lost lots of work and I've been reported for spreading fake news and all kinds of stuff. Um, and I, I must tell you that there, for me, and this is not based on any science, but this for, for me, I find that this... A pandemic of fear. Um, there's, there's a psychology that's occurring that I, I, if I walk around now without a mask, people look at me funny and and, t and look at me as if I'm a criminal. Um, the, everything seems to have been reversed, and it's very strange to see kids having to wear masks and be far apart from one another. This is very criminal. It's very abnormal. It's criminal. You see, the, the thing is. And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking really my mind now. I didn't do this uh, five months ago because I didn't believe it could end like this. Mm. But I'm telling you, be very, very careful. What is now happening is the greatest and most horrible experiment in the history of mankind. You are the animals that are being subjected to the most horrible experiment in the history of life. Because mm. what, one, what you are being subjected to is a psychological manipulation that has been so successful that the whole world has been changed yeah. within months. And this is horrible. Um, humans have been dehumanized. You have lost what the dear Lord gave you. And the trouble is that you are wanting to do this. This is the whole psychology that is so awful mm. and so cruel, so inhuman. Look, the dear Lord gave you three things that are so precious that if you lose them, you're not going to be human anymore. First, is your face and your voice. 
don't mask your face and don't mask your voice. This is not what he gave these to you for. The second is your mind, the human brain, like nothing, no other animal has this. You have this. To think. Start thinking again, or you're not humans. This is what the conspiracy theorist is telling you. If you tell me that I've stopped thinking, you may be wrong. Mm. If you tell me that John Ioannidis has stopped thinking, you may be wrong. So, as I, that. The third, as the third, the third, the yes. third thing is your soul and your heart that has made man do, be able to do something that animals can't, to care for others, to love. And what you are doing now with social distancing, keep away from me. I'm afraid of you. You are losing humanity. And this is why I do not forgive the people behind this agenda. You know, Prof, um, I said to you just before we went live that um, John Ioannidis and uh, you uh, were the two um, experts that I read first, very first, way back in February, March already. And um, and as I said earlier, uh, other than your, your German uh, literature, what you have said has, has, has been so true to me and I think many of my audience, but our voices are still very much um, in the minority for some for some reason uh, we are being dismissed um, and you yourself are an expert you you aren't you aren't just some random person you're a specialist and yet uh, your voice has been largely dismissed um, does that not strike you as weird well um, you know if of course, this agenda mm. is being driven uh, brutally and mercilessly. And uh, we were censored. We've been censored all the time. Mm. We've just been censored. All right. Um, so the mass media and the mainstream media have been really bashing us mm. and uh, saying, you know, uh, Bhakti has never worked on coronaviruses. What they don't realize is, you know, if, 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 if you're a car mechanic, you, you, you can fix not only a VW, you can also fix a, yes. a Skoda. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, and this is something that people don't understand. So they say, you know, don't take him uh, seriously. He, he knows nothing about the coronavirus. Um, but that was an easy way out, okay? So I, I've worked on other viruses like dengue. <laughs> mm. And um, worked on immune enhancement in dengue and all that, uh, which is now taking stage for the corona, also, mm. by the way. Um, but uh, when, when we started to get censored and bashed, uh, we suddenly realized that maybe mm, we were unwanted. We were persona non grata. Yes which means that what we were saying might actually have had a grain of truth mm. that people didn't want to be spread. Now, I will end this by saying that if anyone takes uh, the trouble to read our book, they will see that virtually everything that we see in the book has turned out to be right. Mm. And everything that John Ioannidis said has turned out to be right. And everything that the mainstream and the public, you know, the, the policymakers have said has turned out to be wrong. So... Mm. That's what your uh, conspiracy theorist is mm. telling you. But go back and read. Don't just throw the book away. <laughs> um, I'm going to. I'm certainly going to spread your book far and wide uh, after this conversation. But I, I still got another question to ask you, which I, I said I was going to return to. Um, tell me a little bit about your understanding of the importance of vaccination. I, I know that there is a flu vaccine, but there isn't one for. Um, any coronavirus? Well, why should there be? I, I really don't understand. Why should there be a, a vaccine for a virus? That's, look, if, if anyone under 70 in South Africa or in England or in Thailand contacts this virus, 
What are his chances of dying? Less than 0.1%, so 99.9% are not going to die. They cannot be protected. Their lives can be protected by any vaccine in the world. And if anyone thinks they can be protected, they are welcome to have this vaccine injected into their arm. They're invited to have the side effects, which are at least terrible headaches, muscle aches, you know, pain, uh, such that if you have the AstraZeneca vaccine, you also have to have a shot of paracetamol or you have to eat it. Otherwise, you won't be able to stand the side effects. So if you want that, you'll get it. But your life is not going to be saved. Quite to the contrary, I'm sure that the serious side effects is going to claim the lives of several people. All right. Now, what do you want a vaccine for that is not deadly? Um it makes no sense. Mm. You may want to have a vaccine for someone who is elderly, who is um, has pre-existing illness, and if you have a good vaccine that protects them, and you can measure the efficacy of this vaccine in those groups, because in those groups you may have a case fatality rate that goes up to 10 or 20%, which you have with any other respiratory pathogen, by the way, not only from this one, which is the reason why there's this flu vaccine that also doesn't work, by the way. The flu vaccine doesn't work. And um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's known to people in the field. Uh, Now, but if you want to develop that vaccine, you better take damn good care that it's safe. And you cannot do this by taking a whip and whiplashing this vaccine through trials where the people who are to be protected are not included, you see. The, the, the guys who are getting this vaccine in the trials are healthy adults, I think below 55 years or up to 60 years, okay, with no pre-existing disease. Mm. So they can take side effects much better <laughs> and they won't die because of the side effects. All right, so... Would you take a COVID I, vaccine? What? Me? Hmm. Uh, would I take it? Yes. <laughs> um, well, I'm not mad. I would I can tell you something. I'm not mad. Um, I'm over 70, by the way. I belong to the people who may be endangered, according to <laughs> Merkel or whatever. I don't, don't know what his name is. And I don't really care. These guys all are criminals, I tell you. And I just read yesterday that Qantas Airlines, these yes. Australians, you know, they are going to say you can only come on board if you've been vaccinated. And I said, my God, you know, you know that the, the, the flu virus, the influenza virus, was, uh, you know, the, the pioneer of influenza was a man named Sir MacFarlane Burnett, who was an Australian, who got the Nobel Prize for his work on the flu virus and the immunity to immunity to the flu virus. One of the greatest scientists of all times. I, you know, I used to get on my knees and say, "Burnett, you Australian, you have told the world how to do immunology." He was the founder <laughs> of immunology. Okay, got the Nobel Prize for that. He would turn in his grave if he saw how his Australian mm. students were acting now. This, you know, they wouldn't pass the exam with me. I'd fail them all. How can he be so un, un, you know, so incredibly, either they don't know their immunology or mm. they know and they're doing it deliberately, then they're criminals. My colleagues who allow this to happen, either they're so ignorant that they should be stripped of all their ranks or they're criminal. There are only these two possibilities. Prof, um, I've got a few minutes uh, left with you. I'm, I'm hoping that you wouldn't mind hanging around for two or three more minutes because I've got a few questions that I want to ask you, um, if that's okay with you. Um, I, I have... Um, one last question from me, 
which I made a note of here, and then I've got some from my audience. Um, let me let me think about how to ask this. Um, what a, what is your view on computer modeling? Because that's that's what all of this stemmed from. I mean, we think of uh, Imperial College. No, no, it, all right, you can stop right now. Uh, I tell you, you see, I'm too old. Uh, I uh, that's one of the reasons why I stood up and said things because even now, after I've said really straightforward things, I cannot be stripped of my rank. You know, I'm mm. getting a German pension, and they can't stop that. Um, <laughs> So computer modeling, uh, I am too stupid to work a computer, all right? Just too stupid. What I know is that whatever these computers who are so much, and the people who are working on the computers, like Neil Ferguson, who is mm. 10 times more intelligent than I am, uh, are doing, I only know that what they have been doing has turned out to be wrong every time. Every time. There's nothing that this computer modeling has done uh, that has turned out to be right. So I don't want to start learning about computers, all right? <laughs> okay, I've got a question from um, a uh, nuclear engineer living in Paris. Uh, his name's Hugo. He wants to ask your opinion, uh, or if you have an opinion, on Hill and Knowlton. No. You don't have an opinion. Right, oh, there we go. <laughs> Um, and then he goes on to say that South Africans, like Germans, also understand what it's like to live in a police state. That's very true. And that's what this is. That's what's actually happening all around us. This is the, this very same script, Prof. That's that's being played out globally. Yeah, frightening. Um, all right. So here we have. Um, Okay, so this is, you've got lots and lots of support, um, but I'm, I'm looking for, for that question Critical. that I had. Uh, that, 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 I'm, sorry, but I'm sorry, Prof? I, I'd like to hear people who don't believe this and, and, and you know, tell me what you don't believe that I've said. <laughs> I'd like to hear critical voices. Oh, okay. Well, there aren't many. I must be honest. You have you have a very big fan club. <laughs> um, someone. Uh, so Helena says uh, that uh, she doesn't believe that the reasons um, are benevolent in the slightest. That everything is out in the open and there isn't even a conspiracy. It's it's actually just happening as you know per the WEF, the Great Reset. They're actually telling you what it is that they're doing. Yes, there is a book out. Yeah. Um, okay, so someone says your viruses mutate from infection to infection. Is that is that true? Well, not from infection to infection, but they are changing all the time. You know, it's, again, look, look at your body, and you the, mm. they are changing bits and pieces. So a, a bit of, of 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 my 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 finger, me. Mm. Oh gosh, I can't show this to you. <laughs> there we go. Just change, change it a bit, and you're changed, okay? Because the thing about this coronavirus is that you have a string of nucleotides, the mm. genes, uh, not the genes. Uh, you, you have a gene for the hand, and you can change a nucleotide, you know, sort of one nucleotide at a time. And th this is a point mutation. These point mutations occur all the time. Uh, so the original virus that was... Uh, in Wuhan uh, has now changed, it's evolved because many of its nucleotides have been changed. Now there mm. is one big difference between the coronavirus and the flu virus and this is also what we've explained in the book. The flu virus has eight genes, one for its head, one for its hands, one for its stomach, okay, and they are separated. So if two flu viruses enter your body or enter a cell, they can change one gene against the other, one hand against the other, and they will emerge from your body with the hand completely changed, okay? So that is what they call a shift, an antigen shift. Right. The other is a drift. So coronavirus can only drift, but Flu viruses can shift, so there are bigger changes possible with flu viruses 
than with coronaviruses. And that's why the shift in flu viruses could lead suddenly to a much more dangerous virus. This will not happen with the coronavirus, you see, because it can't shift. It can't change the whole gene blocks. Prof, what is happening then um, with the numbers? I mean, America supposedly has approximately 80,000 deaths related to flu annually, and now it's, what, 200 and something thousand. Uh, What's going on there? Corona. What, corona deaths? Well, it's because the, as, as I hope that everyone starts to realize, the definition of corona death is wrong. You know, if, 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 if I contact uh, uh, the coronavirus, all right, I'm not going to die. If I want to die uh, and be, enter the ranks and lists of the corona deaths, which will be immortal because they're going to be saved, you know, in a, mm. uh, the only way I can do this is to jump from that bridge because I'm so I, I, I'm, I'm at the end of my wits to do anything more about this. Then I die because I've committed suicide with the virus, and then I'm I am labeled the Corona death. So uh, the Americans themselves say uh, the CDC said that uh, about ninety percent of those Corona victims didn't die because of the virus. They, they died with the virus. So that's that. They also died with lots of other viruses that weren't looked for. So uh, th- th- that's what a comorbidity is, and, and, and those become very important. No, those are the same comorbidities that cause deaths if you have influenza, but there are lots mm. of bacteria that cause deaths in this comorbid group, but they are never looked for. Because you, you, everyone knows that if you, you have terminal cancer and you get a pneumonia, you will die of pneumonia because that you, your life mm. is coming to an end. But you don't go around saying that cause of pneumonia is the cause of death. How stupid can one get? I mean, and this is you know, you're violating all the rules of medicine by doing that. That's but what, what we were trained as medical doctors to find out the cause of death and not say, you know, like, all right, listen, you know when. People go around smoking. I see people taking off their masks and smoking. The probability that they're going to die of lung cancer is so astronomically high. Uh, but no one tells them not to smoke, all right? Mm. Uh, among the people, uh, less than 70 years of death, uh, uh, 70 years old, who died in Germany of in road accidents, that more people died in road accidents than they did because of corona. But no one goes around saying, you know, you're not allowed to drive your car anymore. The uh, motorway uh, speed limit is going to be set to 10 or 20 kilometers an hour. Uh, Mm. Because then everything breaks down. Everything is destroyed. And that's what's happening in the corona crisis. So final question, Prof, final question. Okay, so for those people who... I know it's silly to say, but for those people who still maintain the sense of fear, uh, what what can people do on a daily basis then um, to just stay somewhat healthy, in your view? What I would do is get together. I said this before. I'm going to say it again. Mm. take those masks off your face don't do what people are forcing you to do go to court say you are forcing me to poison myself you are forcing me to uh, make my child ill I'm going to take you to court that's what Rainer Furnish is doing if you guys got together and did this you can bet your life that everything will come to a halt take off your mask, join hands and start singing. That's the only way to overcome these satanic tones of the Pied Piper. And basically live a normal life. Of course. Insist that everything is stopped. Join hands with Panda. Join Nick Hudson and his... And stand up as a country and say no. You know that Portugal... I think has started and 
thankfully, Britain may become the leader of the stand-up movement. Go and read the British Medical Journal. There are three essays that everyone needs to read because they are now saying that all these measures are not good. On that note, Prof. Uh, Sukharit Bhakti, uh, you are the most inspirational um, specialist that I think I've ever spoken to. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure um, having you on my show. I can see by the responses that you are wildly popular. Um, people love hearing what you have to say. They love the the courage. And it's strange that we have to say it, but the courage to actually speak out against the, all this nonsense. Um, thank you so much for your time. I'm absolutely going to read your book as soon as I'm finished with my current book. And I'm going to get others to buy it as well. I see that it's available on Amazon, um, the English version. And uh, I hope you um, continue this, this fight, um, Prof. Well, it's a struggle. It's not a fight. But we're doing this for our children mm. and for you, for our fellow citizens to whom we feel so obliged and thankful. We're thankful to people like you who, have, who you need to have the courage to do what you're doing. I'm retired. Nothing can happen, really. So I've been very pleased to be with you. Thank you for the invitation. And God bless you. Thank you so much, Prof. Have a wonderful day. My name is Jim. This was Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.